not about behavior modification. It's about transforming your life to be a better man, a better husband, a better boss, a better employee, a better cab driver, garbage collector, you know, what car dealer in Vegas, whatever it is. I mean, just be the better version of what you were yesterday and just giving people that hope that, hey, you can change if you want to change and we'll step into that change. But let's stop using the excuses. And I, I'm just in the coaching I do with guys and stuff. I'm just kind of like, let's get through the BS and just stop using the excuses. I mean, if you want to get up at 5 a.m. to go work out, hit the alarm. Don't hit the alarm. Just get up and just start getting up at 5 a.m. Don't say you can't get up. Just do it. So it's it's trying to eliminate excuses that keep us stuck in the behaviors we're comfortable with because change is hard. Oh, wait, let me re-say that. Change can be hard if you make it hard. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. Today, and I had a blast on this episode. And by the way, it's really long. So don't get crazy. If you make it to the end, it's it's bombs every 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 other minute. It's gold every other minute. And and I had a lot of fun and it was upbeat. And yeah, we're going to be talking about addiction. Yet it's not the addiction that you think. It's not all drug and alcohol. It's work, it's porn, it's gambling. Yet we're not going to just talk about the addiction, which is kind of like that surface level result of. We're going to be talking about genetics and tra- and trauma and 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 my guest Rob Lohman's story and agendas of, of addiction treatment specialists and 12-step programs and, and how to navigate through that. And we're going to talk about identity and triggers and victimhood and how to make treatment work for you and take control of your own, you know, growth and development and trauma and the stories that you tell and how to quit and doing the work and, and the things the things that are at stake for you and the reason why you're using it substance. I have so much, I have two pages of notes and I'm just going to tell you, it was jam packed, jam packed with gold, absolute gold. So look, let's just get right into this because it's a long episode. If you have not yet joined the mental purpose community on Facebook, go there right now. Join the Men on Purpose community on Facebook. You'll see it. You'll know it. And, and get in there. It's free. And, and guys like Rob, my guest today, are in there. And, and he's a resource to talk to if you're struggling with addiction. And it doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs. It could be work. It could be anything that you're, you're addicted to. And, and we can help you break that cycle in whatever capacity it is that you see your results from with four, whatever you want. So join the mental purpose community right now. Take action. There's tons of free stuff in there. Um, go to our website, mentalpurpose.net. There's free giveaways. There's an ebook. There's a mini course on there, all free. You're going to hear about our evidence versus emotion exercise in here. It's one of the most powerful exercises that we have. It's so damn simple to, to get yourself out of that emotional registration and into an evidence-based, uh, choice or decision. If you want that, go to mentalpurpose.net or join the, uh, the mental purpose community and ask for it. And I'll send it out to you free of charge, free of charge. So we're going to have a lot of fun today learning about Rob's story and trauma and all the other stuff around addiction and, and how to break free. And that's it. Oh, and if you could, if you would be so kind. Go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to this podcast and uh, give us a five-star rating and review if you would be so kind and make sure you subscribe. 
And that's it. Enjoy the episode. All right, Rob, we're going to get deep today, man. Let's, uh, <laughs> I, you know, like I told you before we started recording, I'm not even sure where to start. I think the, I think the story is just going to guide us because it's deep, man. You've had quite an interesting and eventful life and it has not been sunshine and rainbows. And we're not going to talk how you made billions and how you have four yachts. We're going to talk about some real shit you've been through because there's guys out there right now listening who think that their situation is unique and they think they're the only one. And they think that, that help is not coming for them or that they can't figure out a formula to get help. And you're going to dispel those myths right now. And these guys are going to be helped today. So let's do it, man. Yeah, let's, let's jump into it. It definitely has not been a straight linear pathway in my life whatsoever. No. So dude, just get, get right into your story. What I'm curious about is, you know, reading your story of addiction and incarceration and all the shit you've been through, where did that stem from? How did you, what was the trauma that you went through as a young guy, as a kid in school, whatever, with your parents that led you down that path? Yeah, it's interesting when you use that word, kind of like the trauma you went through, because that's what so many people think, right, is what's the big thing that happened in your life to put you on this trajectory? Well, I can tell you, I, I feel like I'm not really incredibly unique, but the story is in itself. I mean, I grew up in a Christian home in yeah. Fort Wayne, Indiana, good old Midwest boy. And yeah. all of a sudden, I mean, just age 14, I mean, alcohol entered my lips and it was just game on. I mean, alcohol had, I always say, alcohol had me at, alcohol had me at and it was just, it was just game <laughs> on for the next 15 years. But it was, I didn't have anything major that really happened in my life to say, hey, you know what? You should become an alcoholic or a drug addict or a gambling addict or, hey, you should ruin your life so you can get divorced and file bankruptcy and lose business. It's like, I, I didn't think that as a kid, but that's kind of what happened along the way for sure. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because like, obviously my, I, I listened to my dad's story about his first sip of moonshine when he was like nine years old or like 11 years old when his mom passed away and and there has to be something that that numbing feeling takes care of, right? There's pain, there's fear, there's something in there. That's what I'm always curious about with our clients, our coaching clients is, you know, what, what was it, good or bad, that, that you use that substance to, to run from, escape from, numb from, feel good about, whatever it might be. I'm just really curious about that because there's somebody out there that's trying to figure out like, man, I, I had the best childhood I possibly could. How am I hooked on substance? How am I hooked on heroin? Why am I drinking every day? There's a reason. Like, let's dig in a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, you'll hear stories. I hear stories in my journey of like triplets that one became a full-blown alcoholic, one became a successful billionaire. It's like, what was the difference? They grew up in the same house. They were born almost at the same yeah, time. Yeah. They wore kind of like the same clothes. I mean, those kind of things. But for me, there was always just this allure of alcohol was fun. You know, social gatherings up the lake, you know, parties my parents had. There was just alcohol always around. So I think it was that attraction of, hey, this looks fun. I mean, I didn't know the chaos behind the scenes of other people out sure. there and their addictive stories and how alcohol is ruining their marriages and, all, you know, suicide ideation, all that stuff. I never heard those things. But what I did just see is, hey, this looks kind of fun. And uh, and yeah. and the first time I got drunk, this is really funny, Ian, is was at a Christian youth event in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> And this guy showed up with a six pack of beer and he literally just said, Hey, Loman, you know, looked at me and said, you want to have a couple of beers? And I was thinking two girls, six pack of beer, 
we walked through the bushes and I just slammed three beers. And it was, I mean, literally alcohol had me at when I opened up that can. And, and it was just the attraction of it. I didn't know that I had relatives that were alcoholics. I didn't know I had relatives in recovery. I, I didn't know any of those things. I just, I just enjoyed alcohol. And then you find the people that also enjoy alcohol and they just become your peer group and your friends. And it's just kind of normal, but you always have the guy that's worse than you because then the focus mm-hmm. is on, on that guy. But yeah, so it was, it was really just the allure of alcohol that drew me in. And then it just kept me in and drew me deeper and deeper and deeper to uh, just some really, really dark places that I never imagined I could, I could ever go. And there's a million stories within that too, but I, I got into some pretty hairy situations. Totally. So have you ever heard of epigenetics? Epigenetics. No, but I'm going to write that Epi- word down. Epigenetics. Yeah. E-P-I. Epigenetics. And, and like what I think about, it, I just, I, I just wanted to know if you had heard of it because sometimes, you know, I, I talk to so many people throughout the week, the month, the year, and I, I started to become curious about, you know, like how, how do how does some, like that triplets thing that you were saying, how do some people have the same upbringing from the same household and completely different trajectories and results in their life. And like, I started wondering what's deeper than trauma. And I got into epigenetics or the, 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 the energy and trauma from past lives, uh, past people in your life, like your grandparents, great grandparents, and the shit that they went through in their life and the energy in their cells and their blood coming into, you know, the next generation, next generation, and then into you, you don't even know what they've been through yet. You've got their energy in your cells. And, and I became fascinated with that. And then I started, uh, for, for, for those of you that are interested, this book is called, it didn't start with you. And it's a really cool book. And I was hoping that you knew something about it. Cause I really want to dig in with you about that. We're, we're going to, we'll, we'll skip it. But like, it has helped me understand a deeper level connection with my mom that I've, I've always been close to my mom, just not as close as I wanted to be. And once I started to understand that there is that past blood energy, that past person energy inside of all of us, it made sense. Like it really made sense that it doesn't have to be something that actually happened to you here. Now we just compounded the amount of shit that you got to think about, which is what messed you up. You know, like we just compounded it yeah. and it's cool. It's interesting. And then you want to get even deeper. I started reading about like your soul's plan and the, and like your spirit's plan. And when your spirit, you know, checks off these categories of shit that you want to deal with in this next life, and then it assigns you to a body. I'm just getting into that. So I can't go that deep. I just, <laughs> it's fascinating to think about what's possible as the energy being that we are, you know what I mean? I'm not going to go too deep. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I I understand what you're saying for sure. And I think one of the things that people that struggle with addictions, right, is they they may not know any of that's going on, right? But in their mind and what they hear in the stories is, oh, well, you know, my grandpa was an alcoholic. Uncle Billy was an alcoholic. Oh, so therefore I'm going to be an alcoholic and my kids are screwed because they're going to be alcoholics. So everyone, all the men in my family are alcoholics or, or just, you know, everyone ends up in prison in my family. And the only way they get sober is when they're in prison. And then when they get out, they relapse. And so some of it with people is a sort of like a conscious mindset of, well, my life's over because my family has a history of alcoholism in it. And those are the lies that I want to unpack with people too, is that, yeah, you're believing the lies, but the truth is you can get out of this and let's show you how. Let's do that. Cause that, that was something I wrote down. People, my dad dealt with alcohol for 50 years. 
addiction to alcohol. And it's interesting because in his AA group, people have said to me, man, like you're so lucky. You're so blessed. And I'm like, well, not, not really. I just made different choices than my dad did. And they're like, no, it's genetic. And I'm like, clearly it isn't because I'm the only son and only child he's got. And I don't have a problem, any issues with alcohol or any other substance. And so I started to think about, could it really be genetic, the alcoholism, or is it a programmed behavioral response that you learn from the person that, that is showing you the behavioral response and they use this substance to avoid this issue, problem, pain, whatever fear, like, isn't it more that? And by the way, for anybody that wants to really debate this, email me. I, I, I like to learn. I'm not going to fight you on it. I like to learn about it. So mental purpose podcast at Gmail, send me and go, I absolutely think it's genetic. Let's talk about it, Ian. Rob, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll sit down with people and they'll say, well, it's genetic or it's not. And they're, they're the one that struggles with the addiction, right? And they're talking about, I can't quit gambling or watching porn and everything. And I said, Hey, does it really matter if it's genetic or not? You're struggling with it. So do you want to get out? And here's how we get out of it. And it just sure. kind of takes, sometimes it takes the excuse that people hold on to, to just say, well, it's genetic. So I'm bound to go to AA someday. And I, and I got sober through AA. We'll get into that story later. And I, and I love 12 step programs. They definitely have their places, right? And there's so sure. many different things now that people can step into versus 21 years ago when I found the rooms of recovery. But now it's just, I, I feel like some programs and situations shame people into believing things so they stick around or they just like, they can settle into that excuse of, oh, oh, yeah, it's genetic, you're right. So I can do all the meetings, all the stuff, all the counseling and therapy I want, but you know, Uncle Billy, Chris, Michael, whomever, Sarah, they never got sober. So again, I think it leads to some people having excuses, but regardless, I want to encourage people if you're struggling with something right now that you can break, I call it like a generational sin or generational pattern, and you can break that and move forward into a life that gives you hope and your, maybe your spouse hope or your kids hope or something. But uh, just let's not stay in the excuse that it's a family thing and it's genetic. So therefore I'm predisposed to become this thing. Isn't that just the easy way out? Totally is. It's, it's hard that, to do the work. I'm sure. I'm, yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, dude, that's like, that's it. You know, we, we were going over, my team and I were going over the, the six types of men in the world that we feel are in the world. And the first one is, and our marketing team was like, who are these guys and who, who do our, who, who is our, our focus on? And I said, it's, it's three, four and five. First guy is the victim stuck in the mud and, and not doing anything to move. He's just laying back and going, it's the government. It's my wife. It's my job. It's my money. It's the, you know, it's that guy. And then I think like, well, I don't, I don't, how do I care about someone if they don't care about them? And how do they care about them if they know no one else cares about them? So I was, I was like kind of blocked up. Like, should we care about that guy? And my marketing team was like, if that guy, cause I said, I don't think that guy shows up in our world. And they said, if he does, he shows up as a number two because he's, he's looked up and said, okay, I'm tired of living like this. And I want to go back to something you said about like being in those organizations and, and them saying, no, 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 it's, 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 it's genetic. You're never getting away from this because your dad and your uncle and your, and your you know, brother and all this other shit. Let's talk for a second about people's agendas, which is a general thing in the world, whether it's, it's Madison Avenue marketing or it's 
or it's PepsiCo wants you to drink their product or this coach wants you to use him. What my dad used to say to me when, when I, I've been in sales my whole life is he said, look, man, you got to make a compelling argument that isn't agenda sized. It's value for the client. So it's not about you selling the product. It's about you asking what they need and figuring out if your product is a match. That's responsible sales and enrollment. And he said, the agenda sized salesman is the guy, the butcher that sells only pork and you roll in and the family, your only client, your only customer for today rolls in and goes, we're, we don't eat beef. We don't eat beef. We only eat, or sorry, we don't eat pork. We only eat beef and we're looking for beef tonight. And that guy's mortgage and his family eating, right? That butcher, it all rests on you buying pork tonight. You bet your ass you're buying pork tonight because his agenda is his family doesn't eat and his rent doesn't get paid. It's the same shit with these guys who sell like life insurance policies. I've been bombarded with all these different guys. Of course, they're selling you their shit and their shit's the best because that's how they eat. So we got to watch agendas in all aspects. Let's talk about agendas in the addiction world and what people can look out for. Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, some people feel like there's only one way to kind of do things, as you're kind of saying. There's only one way to do this, and that's the way we're going to do it. But you know, I just I'm published. I just published a book called The Addiction Intervention Book, and it's all these interventionists in their store and how they help people. They're different modalities, are different ways to do it. Knowing their way is not the only way to do it. And so I put together this sure. collaboration of wisdom to just say, hey, here's a bunch of different ways to help somebody. You, client, person that needs help, step into whichever approach you feel like would fit you the best, and we're gonna we're gonna help you get to where you need to go in a, in a variety of different ways and. That's the kind of yeah. that's the kind of way I look at recovery too. I mean, sometimes and again, I, I want to say that you know, twelve step program I went through, which was AA, was all about hey, if you need outside help, go get it. If you need a counselor or a therapist, go get it. We we have we have a solution, sure. but it's not the only solution. But this one works. Therefore, yeah. it's been around for eighty two years, right? And it's kind of get some additional resources, but use this as a foundational maybe platform to rise up and sure. move forward in it. And and I like the part about that too because it's not just a one way fits all. Because addiction sucks. Plain yeah. and simple. I'm sure guys listen to this right now. They're sitting there in their office and sure. thinking they're staring at a line of cocaine and like, crap, I don't want to do this, but I got to get through the day. You know, where it's, where they're <laughs> right. thinking, I, I right. can't, I, right. I'm going to Vegas on a work trip. I'm not going to gamble. Crap, <laughs> I'm at the casino again. And just these things that we try to yeah. convince ourselves we're going to stop the pattern, but it's not about behavior modification. It's about transforming your life to be a better man, a better husband, a better boss, a better employee, a better cab driver, garbage collector you know, what car dealer in Vegas, whatever it is. I mean, just be the better version of what you were yesterday and just giving people that hope that, Hey, you can change if you want to change and we'll step into that change, but let's stop using the excuses. And I, I'm just in the coaching I do with guys and stuff. I'm just kind of like, let's get through the BS and just stop using the excuses. I mean, if you want to get up at 5am to go work out, hit the alarm, don't hit the alarm, just get up and just start getting up at 5am. Don't say you can't get up, just do it. So it's it's trying to eliminate excuses that keep us stuck in the behaviors we're comfortable with because change is hard. Oh, wait, let me re-say that. Change can be hard if you make it hard. Yeah, I was going to say. It's all about desire yeah, a lot of yeah. times, right? It's like desire. People will call me and say, I need to go to treatment, and it's the 10th time I've gone to a residential treatment program, and I'm thinking, okay, why do you feel you need to go to treatment? And we talk through the reasons, right? And we get to the bottom of stuff. And because it's not just about putting substances aside and starting to live life. I mean, you know, you, you kind of doing your research for the show. I mean, I went to prison and you're 11 in my recovery because my mental health was all jacked up. 
And I didn't know, I didn't know how I got there, but then I could backtrack it and say, wow, I stopped doing things that were good in my life because I got too busy and I snapped. And in some ways that was kind of, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me in a really weird roundabout way. But it was a, it was a journey that set me on a, a real path of true transformation and growth. What's up, guys? I'm so sorry to interrupt the episode. I just need one minute to share with you all the new and exciting, amazing stuff we've got created here at Men on Purpose. First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting the movement we're creating for all the men in the world. Next, you've got to check out our new website, menonpurpose.net, where you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, including links to our podcast and the free Men on Purpose community. You're also going to find our new free purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and links to all of our new coaching programs and products. Look, I've had so many of you ask me where to get started with your personal growth journey or where you can go to level up. So I put this thing together, this free ebook and mini course, and we're going to be talking about and coaching you through a really light version of our purpose-driven formula, which is our foundational formula. And for those of you who are ready now, we got you. Listen up, whether it's becoming the best husband, being the best dad, quitting that job that doesn't serve you, just understanding how to put you first. We've got what you need to align with your authentic self and find that true fulfillment and live a life with no regrets. Look, we're helping men with structure, support, and sustainability. That's what you've asked for and that's what we deliver. As we lead you through proven and tested curriculum that focuses on formulas to help you get farther faster. So make sure you go to menonpurpose.net, click the button to download our free, powerful, purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook. And while you're there, make sure you check out some of our amazing products designed to help you find your purpose, stop self-sabotage, and dial in your mindset, skills, and habits to evolve into the best version of you. Why? Because we want you to live and have the best life possible. No regrets. So, mentalpurpose.net, let's get back to the episode. So, you said something not about behavior modification. I want to get the rest of that because I think that's going to be the intro clip. What, what was that? It's not about behavior modification. Yeah, it's modification. not about behavior modification. It's about transformation. Yeah. You and I are speaking the same language. And it's um, it's interesting because you you mentioned like the guy that's sitting there listening in his office right now going, yeah, fuck yeah, Rob, you, you, you nailed it, man. I, I definitely need to change. And then like li- lays a line of Coke out and goes, I, I mean, I got to get through the day, Rob, for fuck's sake. Like, what do you expect me to do? I got, I got this busy ass business. I got my, so that that's the thing is the, I, f- I feel like the habit is so solidified by the mindset of, I need this because I have all this stuff that counts on me and I need to lay out seven lines of Coke in the morning plus three cups of coffee because if I don't do that, I can't perform at my job and I can't provide for my family and I'm the old breadwinner and I and like, holy fuck, that's a spins out of control. And then guess what? It's like, of course I got to do the lines of Coke. Rob, do you hear what I just said? I'm the breadwinner. I have to do Coke. I'm the breadwinner. Yeah. And you go, and, and from the outside you go, okay, uh, that sounds a little crazy and i understand cool got it how does somebody break that pattern when it's so deeply entrenched with their identity their responsibilities like if it's aiding in their like, let's say coke for example the, the upper versus alcohol the the downer it's aiding in their their ability to to uh fulfill their responsibilities in their life like how do you cut that habit out how do you break that thing yeah, it's fascinating when you think about that because when you hear that way, the story you're telling, the I think of the word pride, right? And the middle middle letter in the word pride is the word I, the letter I. So my pride is killing me because I got to do all these things. But have you ever seen the movie Flight 
with Denzel Washington. No, it, I saw it. On it's there. a fascinating movie. If, if anyone's yeah. if anyone's struggling with the uppers, the downers, the balancing those things, go watch go watch the movie Flight with Denzel Washington. I mean, it's just fascinating this pilot and what he needs. And he knows the right formula. He knows X number of lines will do this, and then beers will do this and stuff. And and it matters on how you're kind of polarized. Like alcohol for me was an upper. Like I was wild with alcohol yeah. and just you know, it's like for me certain drugs are like caffeine makes me tired instead of makes me wired. Yeah. I'm gonna write that one down. Tired and wired. That's kind of like the one. Um, but, but it, but it's this mindset that, well, I got to do all this stuff. Well, the reality is that alcohol, drugs, all these addiction stuff, they really rob us of our full potential. Whether you have 10 companies and you're kicking butt, imagine what you could do if you could do it like really mentally kind of level instead of having to play this game. Because when I, when I do interventions with even business partners and I sit down with them, and ask the question, just, aren't you exhausted? Just exhausted of playing the game, the up and the down. The I mean, everyone knows what's going on yeah. anyway. So let's just kind of surrender and just go get some help so we can grow a huge company or grow a really strong family. Just Alcohol just robs potential every single time. I used to say that when I went to college, I, w- I wanted to be a doctor like my grandpa. He never drank a drop of booze in his life. He was amazing. He delivered half of Fort Wayne, Indiana, you know, just he was an amazing doctor, delivering babies, just great. But I, but I just remembered kind of watching him and always wanting to be like him. But I was an alcoholic when I went to college. And I always say that alcohol, if you put alcohol and potential in the same room, alcohol wins every single time. At least it did in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. That's really interesting. What about identity around it? You know, like the, I I need this to be this person that I've created this fun partier. Like I have a friend, uh, Keith, he's a, he's a dude that's been through a lot of our programs and he's an incredible leader in our community. And, uh, and, in and we, him and I have talked about, you know, he used to be this guy, a hundred pounds overweight, slamming a case of beer a night. That was him. And everybody loved him except he didn't love him. And one day he decided he was going to love him. And the hardest part was, was getting rid of the identity that will people actually like the real me when I find him, will people accept the real me when I find him, or am I going to be fucking outcast without substance or without alcohol or without being the fat guy in the party and the funny guy? Like, am I going to be accepted? That's hard as shit to do. And that's going on in an addict's mind, right? All, all the the different voices are going on in an addict's mind. Isn't that one of them? It completely is. And your friend you were just talking Not about. Not even the there. addict's mind, by the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Not even the addict's mind. The fucking guy that needs to evolve. The guy that's just, you know, like he's not even on any drugs or substance. He, he just is stuck in his identity that he's created around a business or a job or a title. Yeah, and that's my hope for every person listening, every person is they figure out really who they are. What defines who you are? And then how do you learn to live from that? Because your friend that was drinking a case of beer and 100 pounds overweight, that was his identity. And in his mind, if I quit, this is what a lot of people think when I sit down with so many people. Yeah, but Rob, but I mean, everyone in my neighborhood drinks. Everyone at work drinks. The everyone word, right? Everyone's doing this. or Everyone knows me as the guy that could drink a case of beer and then go out. Everyone, everyone, everyone. And it's this thing of, okay, I'm trying to please everyone. And the reality is that Mm -hmm. most of those people, in your neighborhood that drink and all the barbecues and stuff, 
I, I really believe most of those people don't even want to be drinking or having the beer no, and stuff. They, they have to they're just it. doing it because I don't want to feel out of place. Well, let me let you know a little secret. Or left out. Yeah, I go to a lot of parties and yeah. I don't even think about that. And I'm happy. I remember what I did. I don't have to worry about getting a DUI. I don't have to worry about it. Did I pee in the <laughs> trash can or did I pee in the toilet last night? I mean, just stuff like that, right? It's, I don't want to remember those, but I just truly, honestly believe most people at work functions, most people at these events, they don't even want to drink, but they're doing it because everyone else does. So I want to challenge somebody that throws these parties just for the heck of it. The next time, just have a no alcohol party. See who shows up, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's kind of you figure out who your real friends are that are so awkward because most people don't want to be well, doing I was gonna, it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that I think that's probably another fear is like, well, nobody will show up if there's no alcohol. That's boring. And nobody's, everybody's awkward anyway. And I'm awkward without alcohol. So not nobody, like don't, nobody's going to want to be around yeah. that. And nobody wants to be, you know, this is why this is this, these are the arguments, by the way, for the genetic thing. Gotcha. These are basic human needs. This is the arguments against the genetics thing. The, these are the basic human needs. Nobody wants to be outcast. Nobody wants to be not liked. Nobody doesn't, nobody wants to look bad. Right. And, and, and nobody wants to be, um, be like muzzled and silent and whatever your poison is, it helps you do those things. Be liked, be present, speak your mind, ask the girl out, ask the guy out, dance, whatever it might be. It helps you be accepted and not outcast. And that is a, that is a fear of falling, fear of loud noises, fear of being outcast are three of the major inherent amygdala fears that are built into the human psyche, aren't they? Yeah, completely. And I was just talking to my 14-year-old son because he knows my whole story. You know, my daughter doesn't know the whole story. And I don't know, we may get to this later, but why I went to prison, the prison story, all that stuff. He was always curious. But my son knows the whole story, right? And it had nothing to do with alcohol, just big mental breakdown, had a huge gambling addiction, all that kind of fun stuff. But we were sitting down upstairs last night and he said, you know, Dad, I, I made a decision. I said, what's that? He said, I don't, I don't want to drink alcohol or anything. And not really because of your story, because I've never seen you drink, but just, I don't know. I just, I don't want to wait. I want to wait till I'm 21. Right. And I said, well, tell me about what happens at 21. He's, he's 14. Right. I said, so why do you feel that when you turn 21, you want to go have a beer, or do something? He said, well, because then I can drink legally. I'm 21. I said, well, yeah, but what, what will alcohol do for you? Where do you, where do you get the sense of what alcohol does for you or anything else? Well, it probably tastes like a, I don't know, like a like a neat like a neat juice drink, you know. Having never tasted it before, yeah. right? And we talked through this, and I said, "So, where does the image that alcohol can be fun when you turn twenty one is?" And he's like, "Well, movies." And we went through all this stuff. Society says mm-hmm. it's fun, so when you turn twenty one, now you can go have fun in a sense. And it was just a cool conversation we had around the dinner table, just him and myself, and just the, yeah. the thought is, when I turn twenty one, I can go drink at a bar and hang out. And I said, "Well." when you turn 21, couldn't you also continue to do the stuff you love doing, like going hiking with your friends or going and grabbing coffee or just going and going to top golf? I mean, something, but 21 is this trigger in our brain. It says, Oh, I'm turned 21. I can go have a beer now, you know? And so it was just a really cool conversation as an innocent 14 year old kid that just thought, Hey, when I'm turned 21, I'll have a beer and go to a bar and hang out with a friend. <laughs> and it was just this, well, why do you think that would be cool? Because movies, social, I mean, just the world and everything. So it's, we buy into this world thing of this is what we need to have fun. But um, something I do, uh, Ian, when I'm working with families and interventions, and we talk through this, you know, of, well, 
yeah, but if, my, but if we get sober, I mean, I still want to have a glass of wine, even though my husband's the alcoholic, do I have to quit drinking? I said, Hey, right. I, I don't know the answer to that question. But what I do know is that you also said, we have to get a whole new set of friends. I said, no, you don't. So we talked through that. And I said, do you know, there's actually groups like here in Colorado, there's a really cool group that they buy sober sections at football games and baseball games and stuff. And people can just go knowing they'll be safe without alcohol being passed around. Right. And I'll talk yeah. about music events and things that people can go do without alcohol. And there's groups of people that go to there. So you can still do those things. And their, their eyes open up and thinking, well, I never knew that. that's going to be pretty boring, isn't it? And I'll show them pictures and videos of how much fun we're having. And they'll think, wow, okay, maybe possibly I can believe a little bit of what you're saying and I can try it out later. But today I just got to figure out, am I going to keep going the way I'm going or am I willing to make some changes so I don't have to keep doing the same thing I've been doing? And whatever direction they go is the direction they go. You know, your clients, I mean, your clients are going to do the work, right? Or not. Sure. And the ones that do see change and positive growth and they're moving forward. The ones that don't totally. are just the first guy in your list of six that's just sitting in the mud and going, well, look at everyone else. They're all going, I'm just sitting here. I was like, yeah, you know, the victim, <laughs> you know, is, is a tough place to live. Unfortunately, the guy that goes through the program and doesn't do the work, he's not even the number one. He's not a victim. He's like a number four with a victim mindset. Oh, okay, gotcha. Which is, hey, Ian, your your program doesn't work. And they go, <laughs> okay, well, we have like a thousand people that have been through the program, and I've got the testimonials both before, during, and after, and the program doesn't work, or you didn't work it because it's not a it's not fifty variables. It's one or the other. You committed and you worked it to the best of your ability, or you didn't, and you either you either go to you and go, you know what? I, I, I didn't think, I don't think I got enough out of this program. I'm going to roll back through it. And by the way, I design all of our exercises to be reciprocal. They're, they're an aluminum can. They're infinitely recycle, recyclable, not reciprocal, recyclable, recyclable. <laughs> I think that's the word. <laughs> and, um, and, and no matter what stage you're in or what phase you're in, you could be like just starting out and go through our 12 week mastermind, our intro mastermind, our discovering design, or you can be at, at year eight, like me and, and coach level expert level. And I still go through the program because it works and it's, it's designed to work at every level. So the guy that says it doesn't work, isn't working it. And that guy just makes excuses yet. He's far enough along that he now knows what he didn't know. The victim doesn't know what he doesn't know. That's why he's a victim. Now this guy is a, is like a high functioning victim. That's like the worst kind. That's the worst kind. Yeah. It's like, why do I need to change? I got everything's flowing well for me. And I just, I'm, I'm rolling it. I got the business. I got the wife. I got the car. I got the boat, all those things. And sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I went to treatment. and didn't work. Okay. All right. Well, we talked through why it didn't work. And you look at the fact, because when I talk to people, I type up all sorts of notes that I give to a treatment center after an intervention and say, Hey, here's the history, right? Just so that the therapist kind of knows. And if they never open up about the stuff, then they can't get healing from it. So if we never say things like, well, my dad abused me as a kid. That's not my story, yeah. just in case that was a clip somewhere that someone snagged. <laughs> but it's like, you know, <laughs> my dad abused me as a kid, and uh, but I never talked to the therapist about it. So therefore, the treatment center didn't work because I'm still stuck there. Or I had this thing to do, and I know it was going to help me, but I didn't do it. So therefore, like you said, Ian, your program doesn't work. Rob, your program doesn't work. And and, and recently, this was actually kind of funny. So I had an intervention I did here in Denver with a family. And the, the sister, who I did not 
let come to the intervention because she was toxic and just all sorts of crazy stuff around that part of it. Right. And, and it was just, it was just a point that I just knew it wouldn't be beneficial to it. And she messaged me and says, you know, my, well, my therapist said, if I come in love, I can be of help to my sister, which they're so like this, just <laughs> toxic, right? Yeah, there you yeah. still can't come. I'm sorry. I just, I won't invite it because it's not going to be worth it. And then she's texting me and saying, there's only two, two options. You either go to treatment or you kick them out of the, you, know, you cut them off. And I said, no, there's, there's really not. I said, quit messaging me because there aren't, but they think they know, and this isn't <laughs> what they do. And it was just a unique, unique thing to go through because someone's telling you how to do your job. Someone's telling you how to do your job, Ian. And you're like, well, Ian, your stuff doesn't work because you didn't do it this way. You're like, well, yeah, but it does work because I got thousands of guys it's worked for. So obviously this works. It's just, you're not, you're not willing to work it. And that's so much of recovery. It's you got, even with the family, I mean, a lot of this is the family making changes. So their loved one can, you know, move into recovery someday if they really choose to, but we don't stop there. We'd stop sure. in transforming lives and, most every, almost every dude I ran into in uh, my short prison stint, it was, it was this victim mentality. Like you said, it was just, Oh, it's all their fault. And I said, Hey man, you're the one in here. So we have good conversations around this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Hey, I, I screwed up. I still got a lot of work to do. I mean, I still blamed people for certain sure. things, but once I got through the blaming and the shaming, then I could start moving forward. But I, I was keeping myself stuck because I, my pride was just like too high. How do you, how do you get, so I have a, I have a friend, I won't mention his name, um, who tried several times to get clean. And when we talked, <clears throat> I said to him, look, I, I don't buy any of that bullshit, dude. I don't buy any of that. Like it's in your fucking jeans. I don't buy any of the bullshit. Like you're like, I don't buy any of the bullshit that you've been fed. So let's just clear the slate. None of the stuff that you've been told is going to work with me. So if you're calling me and asking me for my advice, here's what I'm going to say. I want you to write down what's at stake if you do not stop and what happens. I'm not going to re reveal too much about the sure. details because it'll, it'll, he's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, what the fuck, dude? Um, so it, it, that question alone sparked where the trauma came from. So two things. One is what's at stake for your life if you don't stop? And are you okay with that? And if you're okay with that, then stop trying to quit because you're just driving yourself crazy. Mm. Yet if you have that resistance inside of you and you think, man, this is what's at stake for my, you know, whatever, my job, my family, my children, my, my marriage, my, my parents, whatever, my future, my money, my retirement, if you say this is what's at stake and I'm not willing to deal with that shit, then you know what direction to go. And you know, you know how to go to somebody and say, Hey man, this is what's at stake and I need your help. And from there, we needed to figure out what was the base level, like ignition trauma that sparked all this. So my question to you is how do you, how do you get, like you mentioned it before, how do you get someone to figure out what that trauma was that, that kicked us off. I mean, it's easy. Like with my dad, his mom died when he was 11. That's easy. Yet there's other traumas in there with his dad and his stepmoms and all this other stuff that probably compounded it. How do you get somebody down that far? They don't even know what they don't know. 
Yeah, one of my big mentors in my life talks about trauma, and he and it, and it sounds kind of harsh. When I first heard, it, I was kind of taken back a little bit, but it's so true that whatever the traumatic moment or experience was, it's happened, right? It's done. I mean, it happened. The problem is we believe the lies that it says about us, and we continue those on through our life that, oh, I'm no good, I was abused, or I'm this, or the lies about ourselves that keep us stuck in the traumatic moment. You know, and and I've said that to some other people like, well, yeah, but I was, but I was raped or I was beaten or I was, you know, all, all these things that happened to us and the traumatic moment is done. It, it happened. It's past tense. Now we're carrying it forward into our future. So how do we get through that? Well, one, we have to understand it, which you just talked about. And so that's where I'm a huge fan. When I coach guys, I'm all about the trifecta of recovery. We got to have coaching, counseling, and community. We have the counseling to help us understand our past if, and, and not stay stuck there, use an excuse to continue our behavior, but we got to have the understanding. And then coaching is helping people move forward in their life beyond the excuses and start taking you know control, of their, not control, but start taking action in their life. And the community is like your Facebook group. I mean, it's, I just joined that today. I don't know why I hadn't done it before. Right. But I was like, Hey, I know. I, yeah. I saw, I saw that. I, I was like, Hey man, I mean, what a great group. I was scrolling through all the posts, but community is such a big thing on there. And, you know, and social media is great for those things. And then, but your local physical community to go have coffee and say, man, I'm pissed right now. I'm, I'm just ready to throw in the towel. I mean, I, I, I dealt with suicide ideation so much in my life. And I would, I finally started talking to guys about it. And just said, man, I mean, last week I wanted to drive my car through the damn guardrail. Like I was pissed and I was like, okay, what's going on in your life, Rob? And then we had to talk through that kind of stuff. And so through all the work I did through this guy, Dr. Neil Anderson's work and, you know, kind of what's my identity and who, and who, like what defines who I am. And I had to go through my own journey to really learn that. And, and it's been an amazing breaking free from the darkness of my past, but I literally was driving down the highway one day. And there was the, it was kind of like the right shoulder, left shoulder talking to each other. And it was like, you suck, drive your car through the guardrail. You failed. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a child of God. Like God loves me. And I'm like, rah, rah, and over here and pissing on myself over here. And it was just, I literally was arguing in my car, you know, and then my dog was in my car and I thought, you know, I don't want to kill my dog, but just all these things. And it was literally, I'm, I go, stay with the truth to who you are. Don't believe the lies. And I'm just having this argument going over the beautiful mountains of Colorado and, and, and it went away after that. It was literally just like, I'm applying what I learned and what defines me. And I had to go through that. And I just stopped believing the lies. So the lies keep so many people stuck. And I, I want to give you just a, a, a simple, silly example. But, you know, I, I found the rooms of recovery after an attempted suicide in 2001. You know, and they're great tools. And like, how do you break free? I mean, and just kind of more not really deep, 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 you know, who, who's your identity and transform your life. But it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to find community. I'm going to, I don't want to die. I wanted to die last night. It's a really cool story how it all happened. But several weeks later, I wanted to quit tobacco. I just to have, I wanted to quit dipping. I knew the risks. You're talking about the risks. I knew if I keep dipping sure. tobacco, I could get cancer, but I don't want to quit dipping tobacco, but I'm going to quit dipping tobacco today. Ian, and I'm thinking I'm driving to my car and I'm like, you know, I threw my can of dip out of the car. I thought, there you go, I quit. Been there. Gas Been station, there. Got, bought a can of tobacco, yep. and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm right, tap packing. Right. I did that 12 times that day. I'm thinking, you are driving yourself nuts. Fuck. Like you talked about your friend, and you go, hey, you're driving yourself nuts. You're going to quit when you're ready. So I literally just turned it over to guy. I said, hey, 
obviously I'm not ready to quit today, but when the timing is right, I'll know. And I was sitting down with a friend in recovery and he takes his retainer out with like, you know, kind of pulls it down like this and pulls out five teeth that he had on the retainer. And I thought, man, I didn't know you had fake teeth. And he said, yeah. And I said, how'd you get fake teeth? And he goes from dipping. And I was like, I'm done. And it was just done. It was just that, that was all what I needed to move forward. So sometimes guys in your groups and things, they just need that one thing that's going to give them that comp that, that just hardcore reason to say, okay, I'm done because I don't want to lose my teeth was my thing. Sure. And that was it. It was just, it was sure. just gone. And I've had to overcome addiction that uh, my gambling addiction that way and other things. It just, I tried so hard. So I was trying to modify my behavior just so much. And, and I just would fall right back into it so quickly and easily. But because I chose to do the work and journal and surround myself with guys and be open and honest and say, yeah, you know, I, I, I do go to um, 7-Eleven every night on the way home because I really like 7-Eleven's coffee, which I do. 7-Eleven, you have really good coffee when it grinds the beans and does it fresh for you there. I, but I would buy a sl- yeah, yeah. sleeve of Oreos, coffee, and scratch tickets. Nice. And my buddy goes, hey, <laughs> in- Dunkin' Donuts has coffee. And I started going Dunkin' Donuts during the day because they don't sell scratch tickets. And that that, that was one little stupid tool that worked. You know, what's interesting is it's, it's not about these big giant, like I'm quitting today. I'm never touching it again. Cold Turkey. I'm like, fuck that. People call me all the time and they're like, I need your help quitting gambling or quitting porn. And I'm like, all right, well, how many times do you watch porn? They're like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Uh, I'll start with you tomorrow. I'll start with you today. I'm going to do it tomorrow. You hold me accountable. I'm like, I'm not your fucking babysitter. I'm not holding you accountable. You hold you accountable. I will empower you to hold you accountable. That's my job. And they'll go, uh, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm like, all right, well, how many times do you watch porn or jerk off a day? And they'll go, four. I, I dealt with this guy like a long time ago. It was like four. I was like, damn, okay. Well, why don't you, why don't you go down to three? Yeah, harm reduction. And he's yeah. like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not going to do it. I'm like, oh, it'll do it. Because then your brain will learn the habits of getting to that place versus four to zero, like – your brain's not going to get rid of the reason why you're doing that. You're only just going to get rid of the physical re- like activity and your brain's still going to want that shit. Yeah. You know, it's funny when, when you say about the chewing tobacco, I, I had that same challenge, not 12 times in a day. And I, I actually like created a new thing. I beat myself up about because I threw like four cans out the window in the same day. And I'm like, you motherfucker, look how much money you <laughs> yeah, just totally, cost yourself. Yeah. Idiot. Like <laughs> compound that over 40 years. And that could be like $2,000. Yeah. Right. Right, right. And it's like, all right, dude, am I, am I ready to stop living in this crazy cycle? Like, am I, am I ready to stop doing this? And you know what I realized was, um, okay, why do I like this so much? And I said, I like it because it reminds me of chilling with my friends in college. And then it reminds me of like chilling in the basement, watching car shows with my dad. And that's it. Okay. So can I replace that with something else that's a little bit more healthy that I choose? And the answer is, yeah, I could. And I did. And, and, and it was just easy. Like, have I, have I had addictions to things? I've had, I've had desires to continue things. Like, I don't think I've had addictions to things because I've been able to stop them. I think I've had choices to continue things until I wasn't able or, or I, I wasn't willing to continue them anymore. That's, that's, that's it. Like, 
That was my cycle until I found something that was at stake bigger than the reason to do it. Right. Bigger than the reason to do it. That's it. And that's really what it comes down to. And you mentioned something about, um, I, I forget the exact words you used and it was the, um, is an exercise we have that's called evidence versus emotion. And, and, and uh, a shrink a long time ago gave me a cognitive behavioral therapy chart, CBT yeah. chart. And in my defiant brain, I looked at that and went, that's too complicated. I'm not doing that shit. It's eight sections. I'm not doing eight sections every time. I got this shit like every two minutes. So I created this thing that said, all right, well, you know you need to do it. You know it'll be helpful. What if I create my own and I use that? Well, I commit to doing that. And I said, yeah. And so I created this thing called evidence versus emotion. And that's exactly what you were talking about is, is you started to weigh the evidence over the emotion when you were arguing with yourself about driving off. A yeah, totally. Like it's that crazy that we get to that place. And it's almost as easy as shifting your thought process into, is there evidence to support this emotional reaction I'm having? And the answer usually is no. Well, if you flip the page over and go, well, what's the logical thought? Is there evidence to support that? Like living is the best option here? Oh, fuck yeah, there's evidence to support that. Okay, go with the evidence to support the logical theory, not the emotional theory. And and dude, out of the thousands of times, I probably use that and, and others have used that in our coaching programs. It is so damn effective. By the way, audience, if you want that, go onto our website, mentalpurpose.net and, or, or, uh, or email us. I, I might have it up there at the time that this goes out, we might have it up there as a free resource. If not, drop some drop something in the mental purpose community and say, I want the E versus Z. I just heard the Rob Lohman interview. I want the E versus Z exercise and we'll give it to you. And by the way, that's a plug. If you haven't joined the community, you need to. <laughs> you need <laughs> Heck to, yeah, you To do. be able to yeah. get this stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool community, man. Like Today we have 835 members. You're 836. I think by the time this goes out, we might be at like 900. There, and that's, that's super there cool. There you go. Yeah, it's it's, it's growing. Yeah, I mean, it is. And guys are coming in because, I mean, your title says what it is. It's not this kind of like aloof, little clever, cute title. And, you know, I mean, there was a book I was going to write. It was really called like God Loves the F Word, right? And I was like, okay, that's, that's cute. Yeah, but yeah. it was more about like forgiveness and faith, right? And it was just kind of cute titles, but yours is men on purpose. Well, what are they going to talk about? Well, probably men on on purpose. purpose. Yeah. Okay. I want to be on purpose and I'm a man. So therefore it's really clear and straightforward on how do we step in and help guys? You know, what's really interesting. I only, I've had one person since I lived in LA, I had one person say to me, is that, um, (laughs) so fucking stupid. I want to, I should have this person on the show. They're actually a pretty notable person in LA. Um, doctor. And I, they said, is that something like, is that against transgender? And I was like, and I just looked at him in it. And as like rude as I could, I was like, what? And they go, is that, is that men? Like, like if you're a man, stay a man, be a man. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're yeah, How did you come up with that? He's like, is, is that against men transitioning into women? Like be a man on purpose. And I'm like, uh, dude, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't know how to answer that. Like, I'm not sure how to answer that. And the answer is just no. Like, I'm, I don't even know what to tell you right, right now. You're so fucking delusional. Like, I didn't even say that, but I'm like, no, 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 I, no, man, no. Yeah. So yeah, it, it does, it does, it, it means be on purpose as you, right? As the man that you yeah. are. And if you choose to transition into a woman, 
Hey, fucking be on purpose with that shit too. We don't, I don't judge. I don't care. You choose your lifestyle as the person that you, that you identify with as you were born with, whatever you choose to, to think is totally fine. Just be on purpose with who you are and what you do in your life so that you have the results that you're looking for and that you ideally want, not the ones that you kind of want, but you wish were different. Well, be on purpose with all the different areas of your life and you fucking get the results that you want on purpose because it's, it's just a formula. It's a very easy formula. Yeah. It's got, right. it's, One, two, it's like run towards something, not away from something. You know, yeah, totally. if you're running, and, and figure out why you're making the change. And if you're, if it makes sense, then go forward with it. But if you're running from something, cause you're trying to avoid it, we'll deal with that thing first. And then maybe you might actually change the direction you were just thinking about going because you got some clarity around why you're doing certain things. Yeah. That's really well said, man. That's really well said. It, it's, um, yeah, being, being on purpose is, it's so simple. It's so yeah. simple. Like, is this my old default program or is this being purposeful toward the results that I want for my yeah. life? This is, it's it. Everything we do is formulaic, mm-hmm. literally. In, in, in the mental purpose world, the coaching world, the masterminds, our events, everything is formulaic. You cast your vision for your result and then you go, cool, who do I need to be? What do I need to do? What are the things I need to shift and change and eliminate? What are the things I need to calibrate in? And that equals the formula. And guess what? If you don't get the result, you go back and change parts of the formula that you know you didn't, you kind of half-assed and you could be better at, go change that shit and you'll get closer and closer and closer. And then you hit the formula and you go, wow, not only did I hit my result and nail a formula, I just built a habit of building formulas to get the results I want and figuring out which factors of me and, and being and doing actually add up to the results I want. Holy shit. That's so easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. And how much of that, so how much of that do you think goes back to worthiness, feeling worthy? Oh, dude. Everything, I think. So, so much, yeah. so much. You know, I, 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 um, I forget when I, I dropped this. No, I, I told the mastermind the other day that I had this struggle when I first built Man on Purpose, like probably within the first year, you know, I went, built Man on, started building Man on Purpose at March of 2020 right? Going through a pandemic, things changed. And probably like March of 2021, I started thinking like, am I building men on purpose to matter to the world? Or does men on purpose matter to the world? And I'm the leader of the movement. Mm. And dude, that is not small. Anybody that's like, I don't know, Ian, that sounds dumb. That was a, a major part of my existence. Yeah. Like, am I doing this for the right reasons? Am I doing this to serve the world or am I doing this to serve myself masked in serving the world? Ah, that's deep. And I had to, I had to, I had to come to terms with that shit, man, because there was a part of it that was, that was a, my trauma that I don't matter to the world unless I'm wealthy and successful. And like that trauma from my past that I program myself, by the way. And then there was like, well, I, I feel like the universe called me to this mission I'm supposed to run this thing. And I just had to make sure that my mindset and my agenda was, was, was serving properly the mission, because I do think that there was a little part of it that was like, I matter to the world as the guy who runs men on purpose. And then I had to get over that because it's not about me. It's about the mission. And I'm just a catalyst to, to getting this thing to a certain level. And then somebody's going to take this from me and take it over. I'm just a, I'm just a a store of the movement. 
and I had to come to terms and, and be at peace with, I'm the steward of the movement. I'm not the guy. Yeah. I'm not the leader. I'm, I'm the steward. I'm the guy that got the ball rolling. And then there's a bunch of guys now that have gotten to level six who are like, I want a job. I want a position. I want this as my mission. And I'm like, oh, that's what it's for. That's why I'm the steward. Okay, got it. That's he, you know, so yeah. you think about your life in those terms, big. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And I used to be so yeah, close. A lot of guys, I mean, a lot of guys, entrepreneurs, passionate people, right? They're so close to their mission and their baby that when you start inviting other people in to breathe life into what you're doing, it's like, hey, man, what about looking at it from this perspective? Oh, that's cool. My pride's low enough. I mean, I've lowered my pride enough where I can receive that information right now. My pride's low enough, but it's like I lowered it enough. And, uh, and it, I love the, the purpose word. Cause that was last year. I, I, you know, I, I stepped into like a different realm of coaching with being, being coached. We'll put it that way. I, you know, every coach needs a coach and hopefully they have a coach. Right. And it's just kind of this trickle down effect, but, mm-hmm. but, it, you have, you have but he challenged, he challenged to. me so much in the last year and a half. And it was so cool because it was just, he's like, man, what, what's your mission? I, I kind of go, so no, like really what's your succinct <laughs> yeah. mission you can roll out to people. And I said, man, I don't, I don't have, I just like do this. And then he challenged me and it was so cool going through that refining piece. Cause I said, Hey man, the, the mission of lifted from the rut is to restore hope, identity, and purpose to the addicted, yeah. to the loved one, to the family. Like, yeah. so purpose is the last word. Cause you got to have hope, figure out who you are and you got the purpose. Right. And then I was, talking to another, uh, my other coach, James Malinchak, and we were talking and he was so great because he goes, Rob, think about that. Hope, identity, and purpose. That's hip. Man, if your hip's broke, you're going to walk around in circles. He goes, so you're walking around in circles, uh-huh. people you're going to, and they're, they're, they're hip, their hip's busted and you got to fix their hip, man. So they're coming to you for hip surgery. Dude, he got, he got, he got, oh yeah, he goes, yeah, he got really hope, identity, and purpose. Really so now when I speak on stages and stuff, I do the little limp around and I said, hey man, if your hope's out of whack, your identity, your purpose, you're just going to walk around in circles. And uh, it was just like a smash. It was, it was a smashing hit, which was really kind of fun. Cause again, it wasn't about me, but it's like, Hey, think about your life. And if you're just doing the yeah. same thing and you're walking around in circles, you know, and uh, you're just, you're, you're going to keep doing the same thing. It might take you a little longer to get back to the start, but you're going to get back there unless you break the cycle, get your hip repaired. And then now you can walk without the limp, or if you got the limp, at least you know why you got the limp. And it's just these little silly things that you can throw in someone's mind and just go, man, that resonated with me. I got it. Okay, cool. You know, and just things that keep in front of people's heads to say, you know what? I am tired of getting my ass kicked by addiction. I'm tired of walking into the casino. I just mortgaged my house for the second time. You know, I'm tired of just sitting on my computer all day and just like masturbating because Oh, there's Instagram and Instagram accounts. And like guys are just using excuses all the time. Like I just can't quit. I said, man, it's about, it's not about behavior modification. There was one guy I know he used to do this thing where you put like a rubber band on your hand. You know, if you want to stop masturbating with your, with your, whatever hand you use. And all you end up with is a callus and a worn out rubber band because you're not changing your behavior. It's like, get rid of the rubber band, go get some help. And so whatever, whatever's going on, I just want to, I want to encourage guys because men are not, advocates for themselves a lot of men aren't and you know having a great counselor or therapist in your corner is a is just a huge thing no matter if you got a a billion dollars in the bank or if you're living on the street there's a reason you got a billion dollars in the bank and there's a reason you're living on the street so it's just without getting help it just 
it, it, it it's you, it's you counseling you. And, and if you're kind of jacked up, messed up, then you're giving yourself some pretty bad advice. So, um, get some other help from other guys like you and your group and guys I work with, just yeah, get some other help. I swear it's exhausting. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting because most billionaires are super unhappy and suicide. Oh yeah, totally. Completely. You know, the, the, and they feel unworthy. Yeah. You, you talked about it earlier and I, I wrote it down and I don't, I don't, I actually, we talked about so much shit. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah. I, I forgot to talk. I forgot to ask you about this. We talked about, about trigger. We were talking about triggers and, um, oh, with your son, that's what it was with your son. Can't wait till I'm 21 and I can drink, which really is, is, and I, and I wrote down pushing the goalposts back because how many men out there I mean, women too, we're, we're, we're focused on men. Like how many men out there are constantly pushing the envelope to looking forward to that. When I get there, I will, when that happens, I will, when I turn a certain age, I will, when I, like I can have fun when I'm 21. I mean, I'm, I remember being 20 years old and going to these warehouse parties that I worked at a detail shop before college or when I was in college and they used to have these warehouse parties in the summer. And, and like, I remember, I remember going like, I, I don't, I'm not partying now because I'm 20. When I turn 21, I, I'm gonna get crazy. And, and and I thought that because I was an introvert who could be extroverted and I didn't understand my I didn't understand myself. I didn't understand myself enough. And my parents didn't understand themselves enough to be able to teach me about me and my feelings inside and my emotions. So I remember going, um, I'm not that outgoing because I'm not 21 and I technically can't drink. When I turn 21, though, I'm going to be really outgoing. And when I turned 21, there was no magic freaking thing that lifted. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so outgoing. Like, then I had to face that shit. And I was like, oh, my God, wow. I I thought turning 21, like, being able to drink was going to allow me to be more outgoing. And, it, and it's not. Now I got to deal with that shit. Now I've got to go back to college and still be the introvert and not understand myself and have... Not that I didn't drink before 21. You know what yeah. I mean? I gave myself that reason that I couldn't have as much fun because, you know, I'm not really 21. Like, I'm not going that hard. I went hard. I'm not going that hard. And and I made those excuses and I kept moving the goalpost out. And then I got I got used to moving the goalpost and moving the goalpost and moving the goalpost. And then in business, I moved the goalpost. No, well, I made this much. Now, you know, next year when I make double, my life's going to be way better. And I'll find the right girl and I'll have the coolest cars and I'll, and then that happened and it was like, oh man, the fuck. Okay. All right. Goalpost got pushed out even more. What else do I need to do? And dude, that, that could have led me to uh substance to just cope with an ever moving goalpost. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like when you go hiking and because I live here in Colorado, when you go hiking, you think you're at the end of the trail. And they call it like a ghost ending, right? Or a false ending. And then you go around the corner, there's just a hole. It just it keeps going and going and you think you're there. And man, I did that with gambling all the time. I'm like, I'll quit on my daughter's birthday. I'll, I'll quit on this day. Right. And then the day came. I was like, oh, I didn't, that didn't work. So it was just, it, but again, it was just setting unrealistic kind of expectations without figuring out what is driving this. So we got to figure out what's driving these things. Again, or we're just, I mean, we're just not going to stay. We're not going to change or stay changed or transform, we're going to end up back there someday. So just encourage people to try to get to the root. You know, you, you look at the image of the iceberg, right? I don't know if you talk about this in your coaching stuff. It's like the iceberg, you know, there's a 10% above 90% below. And at the bottom of the iceberg, it's usually fear. 
It's driving all the behaviors above it, and it results in the image I want to I want to show people. And and sure. it's just the the image, the image, social media image, the image. And you know, people will say like, "Loman, it looks like you got everything together, like all the stuff." I'm like, hey, "Did you see the other videos I posted? <laughs> I talk about man. Yesterday was a rough day, man. It sucked." And just the sure. real aspect of it, not just kind of like, "Hey, guess what? Here's the beautiful family picture." that basically we almost got divorced overtaking and everyone was yelling and screaming to her. It was like, smile. Oh, you right, right, right. you know, Captain. yeah, it's like, there, oh, that, right, what right. A beautiful picture. I'm like, yeah, but I almost punched my kid or my wife was yelling at me or the dog peed on my feet or whatever. You don't know what happened to get there, but here's the picture. Perfect thing. So let's be more transparent, vulnerable, honest, and just be like, man. And I, and I believe that leads to transformation when you can literally just say, I don't know. Will you help me? Yeah. Not will you keep yeah. me accountable, Ian, to make sure I don't look at porn, Ian, or something along the way. It's like, no. Will you listen without judgment and let me just talk openly? Yeah. And just step into it because it's really cool. I love having conversations with my buddies because when they say, "Hi, Lowen, how you doing today?" They know they're going to get the truth. You're honest. And when I ask people yeah, that question, honest. I want to know the answer to it. So that's going to help guys change and just be rock stars and help other guys become rock stars, you know? So I'm hiring a new coach right now and I've talked to a couple people and they're like, what's the biggest thing you need? And I said, you know, I have to be a support system and an ear and a shoulder and a, a foundational element and, and like hold space for so many people that I, I want to be a human for a second. Mm. And I want someone to just talk to that I can start crying and be like, I fucking failed at this. And I feel like shit about this. And I'm, I'm feeling really insecure about this. Like I want to, I want to just break down to somebody because there's not a lot of people I can break down to. And even though, even some of the, like, I, I do have some, some friends that I can really break down to. And there's some people that you look at on social media that I know. And by the way, if you're listening, this is your hint and I, I'm not calling you out. You know who you are. And even the, even the shit that they share about the stuff they're going through is for fucking social media. Mm. And I'm like, do you not see that this is completely agendicized? Mm. Do you not see that you're trying to get sympathy points and get love from people in that way? Like, do you, you're not sharing authentically. Mm. You think you're being authentic by sharing your pain, quote unquote, that you're going through. But all you're doing is looking for people's sympathy points. And that's fucking inauthentic. And that's bullshit. So there, there is, and, and like, there are, we talked about earlier agendas. There's so many people with, with an agenda out there. You just have to be aware of that. And like I said, I, I, I don't want to, I share authentically, whether it's winning or not winning. And then there's the, then there's the other side of, of, I need some help. And I, and I'm not sure how to share that online. And I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure of, you know, I don't want 50 people's advice back. Right. So when I, when I share, like the other day I shared, you know, there, even though I'm a high level coach and I own this business and this, this, you know, I'm a steward for this community and this mission, like I still took my daughter to the pool at 2 PM on, on a Wednesday this week. And I sat at my computer and I was like, I don't know, dude, is that the responsible thing to do? Like I had that breakdown. I'll share that breakdown. No problem. Because I think that helps other guys. And, and I want one person who I really trust. I want their opinion on my, on my other breakdowns so that I can come back and I can share with you like, 
I really broke down hard to my coach and this is the advice that I got. And now I can share the breakdown and the advice, right? So one thing that we talk about in our community is don't bleed all over the place in this community. Don't share your trauma and your crazy shit in your, when you're in it, you tidy yourself up, get yourself to the bathroom, self-advocate, put a bandage on it, then come tell us what happened cool. and show us, Hey, look at that bandage. Yeah. I sliced myself on the mirror. I, you know, I cut my finger off on a reciprocating, so whatever it is, don't come with your nub squirting blood, right? And that's the thing. I don't want to come to the group and go, guys, I'm, I'm really fucking struggling. I want to come back with the wound bandage and say, hey, guys, I was really struggling through this. And here's how my coach helped me. And so now I want to share that with you and help you. And I think that's responsible. What are your thoughts on that? I, I love it. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, I, I remember. Because yeah, I'm not looking for sympathy yeah. and love. I'm, look, I'm looking to help somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember just years and years and years ago, I, I did a, um, I, I used to go to like this one, it was a long time ago, but the agenda was incorrect, right? I went to a group of men seeking business guys that could invest in something I was doing instead of really going to this group of men to get fed with the, the material and the kind of like the group they were a part of the helping guys be stronger. And I had to check myself and say, dude, you, your agenda's off. You need to not go to that group until you're until you figure out why. And and it was a really cool moment because I had to look at that moment and, and kick myself out of myself and say, man, but yeah, I don't want to come seeing someone's blood shooting on the thing. It's like, dude, that must have sucked. That must have really hurt. But I'm really glad you were smart enough to not stay and bleed on Facebook. You actually went to the hospital. You talked right. to the doctor. You got help. You're bandaged right. up and they put your finger back on. And, hey, here's the cool scar. And, right. and there's the scar from it. Right. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm totally resonating with you on that for sure. Yeah. Facebook, mental purpose community. We, we are we're not the 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 er we're not the yeah. er we we that th that's um like we're we're not the the shrinks office that you can just bleed all over the place and the even even that i i i truly believe and, and it's not to look good by the way and and not like truly share your pain and your shit it's to be responsible with it and to say like i, I was going through this is anybody else going yeah. through that? Here's how I got through it. I feel like in our world, your world, my world, that's responsible. If I got on in tears and I was like, guys, I'm really fucking struggling in my marriage or guys, I'm really struggling with my health. I'm, I'm just really fucking having a really bad time right now. Dude, I, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not their responsibility. My community's responsibility to go, oh, Ian, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's not a stored that's a guy seeking fucking validation right. and yeah. love. And, and, that, and that's an agenda. And, I, and, and you can't do that, you, especially when you're a leader of a group like this or a movement like you are like, you can't do that. In my opinion and yours, you can't do that. You got to be responsible enough to bandage your own wound. And then you bring that and go, here's what I learned. And that's so much more helpful because it turns the people from fuck, we got to help this guy. He's desperate and desperation to I learned something from his pain and his story. And that's really effective as a coach. And I don't know, call me, call, call me an idiot. I just think that's the best way to help people. It's the most effective and purposeful way to help people. Yeah. I think I remember going to your website. I think towards the bottom of your website, you say something about teaching people what you learn, don't you? I think on the bottom, I'm, somewhere. I'm, I'm a huge believer. Yeah. In somewhere on there, you say, yeah. and that's, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people. It says, you know, when you're, when you share something you learned with someone within 48 hours, you're more likely to apply it. So by sharing a solution 100%. to a problem with guys, they're more likely to apply it in their own life. And then 
probably tell someone else about, oh my gosh, I learned this one cool thing. It's like, where'd you hear it? I said, the first time, yeah. a, a friend of mine, you say, the first time you got to quote the person. Oh yeah, I heard, I heard Ian said it on his, and then the second time you're like, I saw it on Facebook somewhere. And the third time it's your quote. It's yours. <laughs> yeah. 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 Memory loss, you know? And, so, and yeah. uh, I, I tell, I tell people that some, somebody asked me on a podcast, like, man, I, I want to coach like you. I want to start a movement. Like it's, it's a lot of responsibility. How did you learn how to do this? How, how did you become a coach? And I said, I saw things working in my own life as I read books or went to seminars and I applied them and then I taught them. And somebody's like, okay, so I got to read books and then regurg and then regurgitate and teach it. And I said, no, 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 no. There's, there's a difference between effective coaches and coaches who are full of shit. The coaches who are full of shit read a book and then tell you what they learned. They regurgitate information. And I've said this on other podcasts. It's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> if you want to be an effective coach, not just call yourself a coach because you're tired of your job and you just kind of want to use it. It's like real estate license. And, and I'm a real estate agent, so I can say this. Like people go, yeah, I really hate my job. I'm thinking about getting my real estate license. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, don't just be, don't become a coach because you read a book or went, a, or went to a seminar. It's your job to read the book, apply the knowledge, and then go back and teach that. That's how I got started. I got started by, by applying it again, bandaging the wound and saying, here's what I learned from this book. Here's how I applied it to my life. And here's what worked for me. And here's what didn't. Now you take it however you yeah. want. And then people were like, Hey, can I pay you to talk to you more? And I was like, Oh, cool. I, I think this is how you become a coach. Apply it to your life. Oh, really? The results of your life are from the work you're doing? Oh, that's interesting. You have congruency with your audio and your video and your fucking, you match? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's an effective coach. The other ones aren't effective. And do, do your thing with that. But dude, I'm, I'm, looking at your one, I'm looking at your one sheet and I'm going, how the hell am I going to talk to him about all this stuff? Bro, I think we had an incredible conversation and... I don't think I got to even like 10% of the stuff on your sheet, man. <laughs> hey, we, it, it's, it's just the life journey, man. It's, it's, it's really great. You know? Yeah. So, Hey, if people want to read the whole story, they can go, they can go buy the yep. addiction intervention book when it goes on Amazon July the 8th. So, um, that's what it's called. Addiction. It's intervention. called the addiction intervention book. And, uh, just a cool deal, but uh, it's just being an open book. I mean, no pun intended there, but you know, we got to share our stuff and yeah, there's, again, there's so much more in the journey, but all the stuff in there just stems from, Feeling unworthy to finding worth, feeling, you know, hopeless to finding hope, not knowing who I am to figuring out who I am, you know, having no purpose to finding purpose. And so it's just really finding the opposite of what I used to be because I want to become something, you know, bigger and better. And, you know, it's, it's cool. I might, my daughter came down and she was um, just hanging out down here on the green screen. We'll have fun with that sometimes. And she looked and she, and she didn't know I had this picture, but I have this picture of my daughter, like right here by oh, my computer and she's 12 now, but. She goes, oh, yay. She clapped and she was thought that was so cool. And it's little things like that that are, my kids see and they go, man, oh. dad works hard and stuff. But, you know, he, he has fun and plays and he's a jerk some days and some days he's not. But the bottom line is he's doing what he's doing for us. And for and us. I'm very present and not present some days. You know, in the days I'm present, I feel like sure. I'm doing a better job. But I don't kick my own butt when I'm not being present. I'm just like, hey, sorry about yesterday. I was really into getting some deadlines done. Sure. I'm here sure. now. Let's go hiking and go to the pool at two o'clock with your daughter. Like you said, like, I'm just going to do it because it needs to be done. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun today too. Just good, good conversation. And you, yeah, I look forward to tapping into your community more and all that going Absolutely. forward. Yeah. And please feel free to look, man, this is all a cooperation. There's no competition in the coaching world for me. If somebody resonates with you more, great. 
uh, that's why I want other coaches on this program because I'm stored, right? This isn't my yeah, totally. thing. I'm a stored. And so I'd love for you to be more present in the community and, and contribute and drop down like anybody struggling with addiction. And, and like, I'm going to talk to you offline. I, I maybe I want to set something up with you to where we can, we can open up something there um, to where I, I, maybe I'm not as qualified. You're way more qualified and you can, you can facilitate or help our guys that are struggling with addiction. And we'll go from there. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, super grateful for this conversation. I had, I had, a, I haven't had this much fun in, in quite a while. My last couple of podcasts have been fun. This one was, this one was a lot of fun. And this dude, I, it's fucking jam packed. Look at that. Like I wrote all that in the last hour and 10 minutes. So I hope people listen to the end and I'm going to tell them in the intro to listen to the end. So Rob, real pleasure having you here, man. Thank you so much for your time. All the shit you've been through, all your wisdom that you imparted on us today was really, really awesome. Thank yeah, you. thanks. I've been waiting for this one. You know, it took a while to schedule it out because I know you, you have your. And I was like, man, it came today, and I'm thinking, you know what, this is going to be a good, good day, and, and definitely worth the time. So you're awesome. Keep up the good work, and uh, just some, and thanks, encouraging man. guys, just be the best they can be. I will. And audience, thank you if you stuck out this long. Thank you for sticking it out this long. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.